The title of my message this morning is, All Will Be Well. Can you just turn to somebody if they're close to you and say, All Will Be Well. The purpose of this message is to show you how to walk in freedom from worry, from fear, and from freaking out. Because life has a way of derailing us. And on Sunday mornings, we get infused with the Word of God, and we feel the power of God and experience the presence of God. And then somehow, some way, we hope that when we walk out these doors, life is different. And then life stays the same sometimes. Circumstances sometimes get worse, even though we just gave God our best. And it discourages us. It brings us to a place when we start to ask those questions. How God? And when God? And over the last two and a half years, the Lord took me on a journey of being free from what's to come. Of being free from worrying about how this is going to work out and when are you going to do, God, do this, God, and why are you taking me this route? And I want to share some of those insights because I believe he truly takes somebody through something so that they can share it with others so that they can learn themselves. Now, it's one thing to learn from a message. It's another thing from learn, to learn from God taking you through the challenges. And I just want to say this. I, I don't know if it means anything, but just because you learn it from a message doesn't mean God's not going to take you through the learning process like this. So just because you know it up here doesn't mean God goes, oh, yeah, you're good. Let's, let's bypass that test. No, the testings of God are never meant to fail you. They're always meant to promote you. They're always meant to upgrade you and bring you from glory to glory inside of your relationship with him. And so being the month of November, I could stand up here today and I could now encourage you to be more thankful and to have more gratitude in your hearts. I could put the burden of thanksgiving upon your shoulders and encourage you, like we do with our children, what do we tell them? Say what? Say thank you. But there's no power in that. There's no realness in that. Or what I could do is I could overwhelm you with God's goodness. And I could overwhelm you with who he is and who he wants to be for you as you begin to ponder how great God is and your only proper response is thanksgiving. And that's how I choose to teach here at New Day is to not give you function, to not teach you this is how you act and this is what you say and this is how you be a good boy and girl because we don't need that. We realize that the end of that is not God. The end of that is ourselves being frustrated. Or I could just stand up here and begin to say, you know, I, want to, I want to direct your attention toward God. I want to get your perspective off of what you're going through onto the greatness of God. And what happens is you start to see life from a different perspective. That's relationship. And so I choose to talk about God today and who he is for you and how wildly in love and good he is towards you, toward each and every one of us inside this room. And I know as I do, as I speak these words into your heart and over your life, that the one response that's going to exude from all of us is thanksgiving. A grateful heart comes not because we tell ourselves to be more grateful. It comes because our attention got fixated on somebody who is great. But I also stand before each and every one of you as a man who has compassion, a deep compassion 
for the challenges and the difficulties that many of you face. My heart breaks for some of the stories that you share with me. I talked with Karen this morning, talked with John this week, I talked with Phil this week. We all face off with these challenges that life at times is so bleak and it's so dark and it's so gloomy. My heart breaks for each and every one of you because I know what that's like. I know I remember when I sat in my car one year ago and I cried and I screamed out to God, not in anger, but in pure frustration. I'm going, God, no way. Why now? Why am I here? How did I get to this place? In fact, why did you lead me to this place? And so I know what you're going through. I know how discouraging life can get. And so I know there's some that sit in these seats that you're on top of a mountain and you just made it through a difficult season of life. That's where I'm at now. Where I've made it through a challenging season of life, a very rewarding and fruit-bearing season. But I made it and I, God brought me through this season. And so I stand at a proverbial mountaintop going, God, I thank you for bringing me through that. But I know there's others who are in a place right now where you're looking at your own life and going, God, will I even make it through this valley that I'm going through? Why am I in this valley? What are you trying to teach me? What, what, am, I trying, what am I supposed to learn? Me and John, we had breakfast the other day. John Walsh, and we were just joking about it. Like, is there something I'm not learning? Like, just tell me. Like, we don't have to do this. I'm not talking. And are you listening? You know, we, that's not how God is, though. Now, just learn one more lesson. That's never a place of punishment either. But life brings itself valleys in our life. And I have a deep compassion for those who are going through that. If you find yourself in a valley, would you just raise your hand? Keep your hands raised. Now, what I'm going to ask is this. <laughs> I'm going to ask for those who do not have their hands raised, but you see a hand. Something the Bible says that I think is so simple but yet powerful. It says these words in Romans chapter 12. It says, Rejoice with those who and weep with those who weep. These are your brothers and your sisters. I know you may not know them as friends. I, I know you may not go over to their house and spend time with them, but if you see somebody with their hands raised, just take notice. To realize that they're not in the place that you're at. That you used to be in the place where they're at. And they often need somebody to come by them and just simply give them a hug. Maybe a pep talk, I'm not sure. But just be sensitive to God whose hands are raised that I could be an encouragement to before they leave these doors. Because you never know what it's going to be like for them throughout the week. So if you're going through a valley, just keep your hands raised for a second. That we are to rejoice with those who rejoice and we are to weep with those who weep. That's a culture of love. The ability to put ourselves in the place of another to ask God to help us to connect with them on how they feel and what they're going through, whether good or bad. That's compassion. I'm reminded of the Good Samaritan. Two religious leaders who were doing a religious duty who were saying that they were serving God, walked past somebody who was at the point of death simply because it was not part of their schedule. It didn't work because it was past 12 p.m. on Sunday afternoon. 
There's a Bears game at 12 p.m. And so they walked past him. They saw him. There was no making excuse. They didn't see him. They walked past him. And there was a reason why they did. And we don't know what that reason is, but there was a Samaritan man who walked past him. And it said he didn't come to him because, oh, the man's in trouble. No, he felt what? Compassion. He goes, and I can just imagine, it's just speculation, but I can just imagine going, wow, I know what it's like to be that man. I know what it's like to be at the lowest part of my life and not know if I'm ever going to see another day again. You know what? Whatever my schedule has in front of it, whatever finances I was designating toward, whatever pleasure I was going to, I'm going to stop it right now and I'm going to find myself to meet this young or this person right where he's at. And that's why it says rejoice with those who rejoice. So you meet them there. And you weep with those who what? Weep. You meet them there. It doesn't mean we all wallow together in this a woe is me thing. It means that there are people who have pain, who have hurt, who have difficulty, and we as sons and daughters have the allowance, the authority, the anointing to go into that person's world and to meet them right where they're at. Before we give them a pep talk, give them a hug. Before we preach the gospel, just bandage their wound a little bit. Before we tell them that they need to get up and brush themselves off, let's introduce them to the one that is actually on his knees. Can you put that picture up of Jesus? Can we introduce them to this Jesus right there that is not grabbing them saying it's time to get up, that he actually bends down and puts his hand upon them? That's a culture of love. And I believe that's what God is doing here. As I was asking God about what does this move of God look like? I don't know how it's going to play itself out, but one of the things that I begin to see is God goes, watch me, infuse your community with love. Watch what happens, Justin, when it looks from a distance like people actually care about the person next to them. And I don't have to tell you that. All I can tell you is that how much God loves you and that God fills you with his love. And it's so overwhelming that all you want to do is love somebody right where they're at. Because God met him, met you right where you're at someday. If you just remember what that's like, the only thing that comes out of you is compassion. And you know that you can't help them completely. All you can do is introduce them to a God who loves them passionately and endlessly. And I believe that God is doing that in New Day. Little by little, I see us loving one another right where they're at. I hear the stories. I'm watching people be able to be vulnerable because they know that person loves me enough to meet me here rather than make me jump through a hoop to get there. That we're beginning to feel what others are going through and allowing God to work through us to minister to our brothers and sisters. And as I pondered many of the challenges that I was able to hear over the course of this week, the times that I was able to talk with many of you in this room, this phrase, a simple phrase, kept on coming back to my mind over and over, and it's this. God is a comforter. Let me say that again. God is a comforter. And many of you in this room do not see God that way. You see him as distant. You see him as annoyed that you're actually still in your problem. You see him as somebody that is maybe cold towards you. But God is a comforter. 
Many of you have a tough time receiving that today, but I believe that as I minister the words that I'm going to speak, you're going to have a new perspective of God. And I remember sharing a couple weeks ago that as we approach God, we don't bring our problems to God, we bring ourselves to God, and God raises us up and says, I want you to see something different. So although you come to me, you bring this big mountain, God goes, hold on, let's put the mountain down, let me raise you up to where I see it, and now tell me about that mountain. Because when you see things from God's perspective, you start talking differently about a mountain. You're not overwhelmed by it, you're overwhelmed by his perspective. You're overwhelmed by his goodness and the fact that, oh wow, this, we're going to be okay. All will be well. And so it comes out of you because you know the God that you are believing in. So God is a comforter. He meets us right where we're at with his love to comfort us and his power to change us. His love comforts us and his power changes us. And he's calling each and every one of us in this room to meet our brothers and sisters right where they are at, ready to shower upon them grace and mercy and unconditional love. That's what he's doing. So he does it for us so that one day we can be that good Samaritan. I am not here telling you, go be a good Samaritan. That is function. You don't go and be that. You go and say, man, God, who am I? And God goes, this is who you are, and this is who I am for you. And then you'll begin to see this. As you're going throughout your day, you start to feel what people are going through. And compassion starts to compel you to do things that you didn't just make up in your mind to go do. That's when God starts working inside of your life. And you start being obedient to those promptings. That's when he starts to show you what a life of compassion actually looks like. Listen to these words in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 4 to start. It says, these, uh, it says this, All praises belong to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he is the Father of what? Tender mercy. I want to introduce you to a God that maybe you never heard about. A God that maybe you ever, never actually met. He is a God of tender what? Mercy. He does not have a whip in his hands. He does not have a paddle in his hands. He does not have something where he goes, are you serious? Will you just come on? No, it's tender mercy. It's a mercy that we've never experienced in our own life. You may have experienced from another human, multiply it by one billion, and you're not even close to the tenderness and the mercy that he shows us. And it says that he's the God of what? Endless comfort. And he always, I love this, he always comes alongside us to comfort us in every suffering. Why? So that we can what? So that we can take the very same thing that he brought us and comfort others with the same comfort that God has poured upon us. So what you're going through may just be the very thing that God goes, I want to reveal my comfort to you. Because this is not a Bible lesson. It's not a Bible lesson that God is trying to get across. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm a God of comfort. No, he goes, I want you to experience my comfort so that when you have experienced it and when it actually has been poured upon you, you can go, man, who can I now go and 
comfort with the same comfort that the Father comforted me. Because this kingdom is way bigger than just ourselves. God is, God is okay with us going through some challenging times just for the simple fact that it might be a blessing to somebody that we come in contact with. Look at verse number five. And just as we experience the abundance of Christ's own sufferings, even more God's comfort will cascade upon us through our union with Christ. Remember this, that there is nothing that God requires of us or asks of us that he does not first give to us. He is not asking anybody in this room to go comfort those who are need comforting if you're in the valley and you need comforting. Are you following me? He first gives you comfort so that you may go get comfort. He first loves you so that you can love him and love others. That's how God works inside of our life. He calls us up. Why? So that we can what? Call others up. And when we begin to recognize that God never asks of us to get do something that he first does not give to us. He always gives us gifts. And that's why it says freely give because you have what? Freely give received. 